I walk a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's only me and I walk alone. Hello, hello. Welcome to Bold Perceptions, that podcast that gets you that uh, to start your day. It's an amazing podcast, lots of great energy, good vibes. Today we got an interesting episode. It's about Jake's journey in Mexico. He's back in America. You haven't heard him for the last couple months on here. That is because me and him went through some things in Mexico. We're working it out, trying to um, make action and talking congruent. Got some trust issues, but overall, it was a hell of an experience in Mexico I think it changed Jake. It opened his eyes. It's more than I was ever hoping for, for him to get out of it. I'm happy that he made it back alive. <laughs> that is good. But overall, like he says in this blog that he wrote, that he reads in this episode, it was like living years in two months. And the amount of things that transpired, the experiences, the adventure, is something, and I hope it motivates you, the listener, to do something similar, to go out into the world, whether it be the traveling or you know starting a business or just doing something and, and living, because that is kind of what the story is about. At the end, he gives kind of tips if you want to do it, lessons, mistakes. Yeah, it's a wicked story. It's a good travel adventure story, and I wanted to I debated on whether to, to drop it or not, but I think it's good for you guys, the listeners, to kind of hear what happened and why Jake hasn't been on. We want to be upfront, transparent, but I think the big thing is just congruency with your words and your actions, and I think hopefully Jake learned that through this, this Mexican trip. Um, yeah, enjoy Everybody, I hope you all have been amazing as of late. This is Jake, in case you did not recognize my voice, as I have not been on the podcast lately. And throughout this episode, you will figure out why that is the case. This episode essentially is me reading off a blog that I have written about my experience in Mexico detailing the both the good and the bad of the journey and then at the end of it I give you guys some advice some lessons I've learned mistakes to avoid that I of course did and all that good stuff so without a further ado traveling Mexico a life-changing experience Traveling to Mexico started as an idea that slowly blossomed into a reality. I'd quit my job, saved up enough money, and was beyond excited of the endless possibilities this trip would provide. 
especially as this would be my first time out of the country. Nick aligned all the travel details, getting the airline tickets, thank you again Cali, booking the Airbnb, etc. And the date was finally set. Sunday, November 1st, Nick and I would be headed to Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I remember walking onto the plane just thinking how surreal this all was. Everything I had done to make this trip a possibility, keeping belief through all the doubts of something like this actually happening. We had an early plane ride, and I was thinking I'd get some sleep on the plane, but to no surprise, my excitement would not allow that to happen. The plane landed in Cancun around 12.30 p.m., and we went to get our Playa del Carmen bus tickets, which was about an hour bus ride away. We arrived at the bus stop at 12.55 and had about 45 minutes to kill until the bus arrived. Now, a little fact about me was that I am a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. I honestly could not tell you the last time I missed even a portion of a game. And on this marvelous day, they were playing their biggest rivals, my home state, the Minnesota Vikings. The game started in five minutes, and while at the bus stop with Nick doing his usual socializing, I was trying to get the game to stream on my phone. I was on the phone with Verizon International, trying to get a day pass to use LTE, paying money every 30 minutes to buy more 3G. Basically, I was doing everything in my power to be able to watch this game. By the time we were on the bus though, the game was a thing of the past in my mind. I was so involved with my surroundings that I had forgot about the game. Nick can attest to this. Throughout the trip there, I was just like a little kid awakening on Christmas morning. I felt like I had entered a new and unexplored world. The bus had finally arrived and we were at home, Playa del Carmen. After what felt like an hour walk in the hot midday Mexico sun, carrying a backpack, a heavier duffel bag, and a big ass suitcase drenched in sweat, we finally got to our Airbnb. And let me give Nick the props he deserves. This was an amazing Airbnb. On the third floor with a balcony in a great location, honestly, what more could you ask for? One important note about this Airbnb though was there was only one bedroom, which Nick exclaimed, this is daddy's room within the first 30 seconds of being there. But there was a nice couchish bed in the main room, which I didn't mind. Plus, I knew that was a battle I was not going to win. And he did find the place, so daddy's room it was. The first day. Recalling this day feels like a lifetime ago. After getting settled in, we went on a little adventure to check out our surroundings. The number one place I wanted to go was the beach. I had never swum in the ocean or really even been in the ocean before. I had seen it, been near it, but never set foot in it. We made that our first destination. It was an eight minute walk and I remember getting there and instantly taking off my shoes. The sand in my feet was like nothing I had felt before. It soaked them in a warm comfort with each step. We made our way down towards the water and walked in that down the beach. And of course, Nick was approaching groups here and there, making new friends. It was an amazing feeling. One of the only ways I can describe it is that it felt like the ultimate freedom. Away from home, from everything going on in the US, in a new unexplored land on this beautiful beach where everyone seemed to be happy. We ventured around for a little bit longer, got some food, some living essentials, and made our way back to the Airbnb around 8.30. It had been a long day. We had gotten up around 4.30 that morning, traveled, walked around a good amount. Understandably, Nick was tired. But myself, on the other hand, I was still that kid on Christmas after opening all his presents and wanting to play with them. I was walking around the Airbnb, making noise. At one point, I opened the refrigerator and freezer just to check them out, and I hear from the back room, you need to relax. 
after that, I was like, screw it. I'm going out and watching Sunday Night Football in this foreign land. I found a bar very close to where we were staying, which is on the main avenue, 5th Street. It's a tourist street with everything you could possibly desire, from foods, alcohol, drugs, HGH, women, etc. Essentially, in itself, it is a little red light district. I sat at this bar, and little did I know, I would end up meeting one of my better friends, an Argentinian fellow that worked as the bartender. We talked for a while and watched the game, and then I called it a night and headed back to the Airbnb. But I could already tell that I would be engulfed by the nightlife of this little coastal city. But here's the thing. Nick and I had a deal that we'd wake up at 5 a.m. each morning and do a morning routine, then go work on the podcast and other things at a cafe. Getting settled in. The first few days were pretty easy going. We were waking up at 5 a.m., doing work, venturing around throughout the day, getting our feet settled in our new home. Remember, this is my first time out of the country, so I am completely infatuated with the endless possibilities this, that this place presents. Towards the end of the first week, I go out with this girl I met and am immediately enamored by my surroundings. So many people out, so many places to go, so much to do and so much to see. Right away I was hooked. This was something I hadn't experienced before. I was talking to everyone, random people, the vendors, cartel members selling drugs on the street. It was incredible. My dopamine soaring from every little action with new strangers. But I was a little ignorant, which Nick warned me about multiple times early on. But being me, I refused to listen to that. After a couple nights of going out, I started talking to one of the many drug dealers that filled up Fifth Avenue. With some alcohol in my system and my guard down, I ended up trying a little bit of cocaine. Now, if you are a follower of the podcast, you know my history. As I've talked about not lie many times, I used to be a drug addict. I instantly regretted it because, for one, I had just broken my sobriety, and two, the coke was terrible. One of the individuals we met there the first day was a guy from Minnesota who had instantly taken a liking to us. A day or so after I tried the coke, he told Nick about what had transpired because he saw it happen. Nick brought it up to me. I vehemently denied what was being accused of me. But a few days later, Nick and I had gone to a cafe in the morning, and I was beyond tired from being out from the night before. I woke up and put on the pair of jeans that I had on when I tried the coke. We got back from the cafe, I took a nap, and the bag they gave me after I tried it was still in my pocket, which I had completely forgotten about. Well, this little baggie made its way out of my pocket, and Nick walked in and saw it. After trying a few excuses, I realized I needed to own up to it. Obviously, Nick was not happy, for multiple reasons, and understandably so. One, I lied to him about when he brought it up a few days before. Two, I had broken my sobriety and my word. This led to a discussion and Nick decided it was best if he moved to a different Airbnb. This also explains my absence from the podcast for the last few months. Aftermath of the Coke incident. This all happened around two weeks into the trip. At this point, I had also not been living up to my word with Nick, with waking up early and getting shit done. I was going out a lot. Like I said, I was enamored with the nightlife and interacting with different people. I had met a lot of new friends. We decided that I would take a break from the podcast. At this stage, I had been drinking more frequently and kind of had a fuck it attitude. Once Nick moved out, I realized the apartment was all mine. I wasn't waking up early anymore and pretty much could do what I wanted, at least in my eyes. 
During this time, I had become super close with one guy in particular, Oscar, and then a few others. A guy from New Jersey, and a group from Canada. We hung out quite a bit for a week or so. Oscar lived in Playa del Carmen. New Jersey was leaving in a couple days, and the guys from Canada were staying an undetermined amount of time, with one of them planning on staying for a long time. One day, one of the guys from Canada called me unprompted just to talk. His name was Lorenzo, but he went by Nature Boy. He was the one that was staying for an indefinite amount of time. We talked on the phone for about 15 minutes after night of going out as a group, talking about life, what we wanted out of our trips, looking to get into digital nomad stuff, and more. We all met up again that night, going to their place first and going to get food, going back to my place before hitting Fifth Avenue. For a while that night, it was just Lorenzo and myself. We talked about life again, his daughter, and genuinely bonded as new friends. It was just us for a good hour before we met up again with the others. We went out and I told him I'd stay with him that night. Around 1.30, the girl I was with wanted to go and she was feeling uncomfortable, so I decided to go with her. I said my goodbyes and that I would see them tomorrow for lunch. At 2.30 a.m., I get two calls from Lorenzo, but I don't really feel like dealing with it, so I just let it go to voicemail. The next day I text him, it doesn't deliver. I try calling him, doesn't answer. I decide to text Dwayne, one of his friends from Canada, asking him, is Nature Boy alive? In a completely joking way, like I'm sure you have texted a friend after a long night of partying. His response shocked me. He said something along the lines of how Lorenzo went crazy the night before because his phone got stolen and they, the Canadians, moved to a different place. I was worried and said to keep me updated. That night, I was out at a popular bar in Playa, Bar Loco, with some of my closest friends there. I look at my phone around 11 and see I have a text from Dwayne saying that Lorenzo had killed himself. I told the group and we were all in disbelief. We found an article online stating what had happened. I instantly blamed myself. I was probably one of the last people, if not the last person, he tried to contact, and I ignored it. I said I'd stay with him that night, and I left. If I, I know if I stayed with him, he wouldn't have died, at least that night. Following that, I fell deeper into my hole that I had been digging myself for some time now. The following days consisted of drinking and partying and trying not to think about what had happened. It really screwed with me. Was I at fault? Could my actions have changed something? Those thoughts added on top of the fact that I felt I wasn't a part of the podcast anymore and betrayed by my friend that I came with. My victimhood hole only got deeper. So my fuck it mode continued. Partying, staying up until the early hours of the morning, suppressing and pushing all my problems and feelings to a bottomless pit that I could not escape. Though there were some fun crazy nights mixed in with this and I was still enjoying the hell out of Mexico. For example, one night, which is patchy, somehow I ended up with the cartel member. We were just hanging out at one of his bars. He was buying me lamp dances. It was a wild night. I went on with this lifestyle, and this only caused Nick and I to drift further. We started this adventure together, but through my actions and other circumstances, we were hardly seeing one another. Some problems had arisen in the Airbnb, and that only further alienated Nick and myself. And so, through my victimhood mentality about the podcast, dealing with the suicide of a guy I considered a friend, problems with the companion I traveled there with, fuck it mode continued through the end of my stay at that Airbnb, which was December 1st. Moving into the hood. I did absolutely no work looking for a new place to stay. I simply asked the current Airbnb lady, Carmen, if she had any other places, and she did, about a five minute drive away. 
The day I was supposed to take a tour of this place, I was asked to go on this adventure tour in the middle of the Mexican forest with ATVs, cenotes, zip lines, and monkeys with the few people that I met. And instead of touring the Airbnb, I chose to do that, which was a lot of fun. But I told Carmen I would take the place regardless of me touring it. The day I moved in, we pulled up to the place that looked like it was straight out of a movie about living in the slums. Behind a gated wall was my Airbnb attached to a few other places. Carmen stressed me on multiple occasions to keep the front gate locked. A few occasions, it was left unlocked due to guests leaving while I was asleep, and so I was reminded again. There was a lock to get into the slumming-looking gate and two locks to get into my place. Apparently, this place had a little bit of a reputation for, no for being a not-so-good part of town. It was a park called Colosio. I had multiple people that lived there, from my friends, cartel members on Fifth Avenue, etc., asking me why I chose to stay at that location. Strongly encouraged me not to walk home alone at night, but I paid my no mind to that talk. I liked to walk, and I didn't trust taxis. I knew they took advantage of tourists, and honestly, I didn't feel like dealing with all of that. The place was pretty far out from where all the action happens. Eventually, I got over myself and decided that I wanted back in the podcast, and I made a deal with Nick that I would meet him at 9 a.m. each morning for a week, which I did. Even though some nights I would still go out and party, I made sure to stick to my word and meet him. It was about a 20-minute walk for me each morning to meet him. This lasted until Nick moved in the middle of December to Cozumel, which is a 45-minute ferry ride across the ocean to a smaller island. During this time, I was getting my mindset back to a healthy place, not drinking and partying as much, but was still going out, adventuring around, and hanging out with all the close friends that I had made in my time there. It was really a fun time. One day after getting back from meeting Nick, I was supposed to meet a friend, but something popped up and she wasn't available till later. I did not feel like sitting around and waiting for her to get done with what had popped up. Immediately after I said that, my best friend I met there, Oscar, called me. Oscar is a photographer and does photo shoots for families that come to Mexico for vacation at some of the most beautiful resorts in the area. On this particular day, Oscar got done with his photo shoot early and a couple told him to enjoy his day at the Five Diamond Resort. On the phone, he told me to get there immediately and get a day pass. The taxi driver tried screwing me, but with my incredible negotiation skills, I got the price down a considerable amount. But there I was, at this gorgeous resort, right on the beach. The day pass was $70, but included all you can eat, drink, access to the pool and beach. It was a picture-perfect day weather-wise. We drank a lot, played football on the beach, went jet skiing, ate some great food, played in some festivities they had going. It was truly an amazing day. One of the most fun I had there. The taxi mugging. A few days later, we were all out and about. It's around 3 or 4 a.m., and I was ready to call the night while my friends wanted to the night to continue. I decided to grab a taxi, thinking responsibly about how I was told not to walk home at night and the fact it was about a 30 to 45-minute walk home. But remember, I said I don't trust taxis. Maybe that feeling was just my intuition preparing myself for this particular situation. I picked up a taxi in a place I normally would and told them the area that I lived. I got in the passenger seat, mistake number one. I noticed we were going in a strange direction, and after a few moments, we pick up this other guy. He gets into the taxi, the taxi driver tells him the price, and I'm in a good mood at the time and tell him I'll cover it. The taxi driver says we're going to take this guy home first. I'm thinking to myself, it's a little odd, but whatever. 
Next thing is we stop at a bank ATM building. The guy sitting in the back, who by the way is a muscular ass dude, gets out and goes in. I'm thinking I could use some extra pesos, so I get out but only take out 200 pesos in case I wanted to walk and get something to eat in the morning. Everyone gets back into the car and we were heading in a completely opposite direction of the way I needed to go. Eventually, I have no idea where we are. They get to the guy's house and I'm thinking, thank God, finally. And during that thought, my head gets ripped back into the seat by this monstrous chokehold. I'm beyond confused for a moment before I realize what is happening. He continues to choke me and I remember barely being able to get out the words, why are you doing this? I am pulling his arm because I cannot breathe while the strong individual behind me has me in an MMA chokehold crushing my windpipe. Pulling his arm was another mistake, as he said, stop pulling my arm motherfucker, and proceeded to choke me harder. Eventually the taxi driver starts punching my arm and my side, then goes through my pockets and finds my wallet. He's digging through it, taking the small amount of pesos I had in there, and my credit card. Luckily, that was the only card I had on me besides my ID. He takes the credit card and demanded to know the code to it. I struggled to muster a fake code, which they didn't believe was the real one. The chokehold proceeds to get stronger, and I took a few more punches. Finally, I told them the real one and swore that was the password. Next thing, he rips my phone from my pocket, and the guy that was choked me finally stops. He comes around to my door, rips me out, and throws me on the ground. He kicks my side a few times, jumps in the car, and they peel away like you would see in the movies after a heist or something of the likes. I have no idea the duration of this ordeal. Time wasn't something even registering in my mind. I've been asked if I was scared that I was going to die during it, and my answer is no. I wasn't. Once again, it wasn't even something that registered in my mind. Looking back, I could have died. But I don't think they had any intentions of doing that. But there I lie, hardly able to breathe, having no idea where I am, and realizing my phone has been stolen. I begin to walk down this dark, discreet, empty street and finally stumble across a man walking his dog. It hurt to talk, and I briefly explained what happened, but all I wanted to know was where I was at. He told me, and I started the long, depressing walk home. It took about two hours to get home. On the way, I saw some federales, who I did not trust or like because I had been shaken down four times in the first few weeks of being there, but that is a completely different story. I waved them down and explained what happened, that I did not have any money or a phone and I just wanted to ride home because I was still at least 45 minutes away. All those guys had to say was, get a taxi. So the journey home continued. I finally got there, instantly called my mom for FaceTime on my computer, explained what happened, and she started crying. I was assuring her I was okay and everything was fine, but that was in an inebriated state. After canceling my credit card and dealing with the stolen phone, I finally got to sleep. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, that incident was a bit traumatizing, and the next morning I decided it was to move out of the bad part of town and into a better place so I didn't have to deal with the taxis anymore. This happened on a Thursday or a Friday night, and I moved to a new place on a Tuesday. During the time, I didn't really leave my place. I had lost trust in the people completely besides the friends I had made. On to brighter days. I moved into a new place and was feeling overall a lot better. I was having fun with my friends, being responsible, and I was working on podcast material again. I was in a good headspace. I had friends coming to visit on Christmas, which was only a few days away. They were bringing me a new phone. Life was good. I met them in Cancun, and we drove up the Yucatan to Valladolid and Merida. 
It was good to be with friends from home, especially on Christmas. I didn't realize it, but I'd missed home a bit. We traveled to Yucatan and then landed back in Playa de Carmen on the 29th of December. And we had a blast those few days. One of my favorite experiences of the trip was golfing during the day on New Year's Eve with Charlie. For golf fans, it was a par three course, 18 holes, and designed by the legend Jack Nicholas. It was truly the most outstanding course I'd ever played at. We easily saw and played around hundreds of iguanas. It was a picture perfect day. In Minnesota, where we're from, it is literally impossible to golf in the winter due to how cold it is and how much snow is on the ground. I kept reminding Charlie how amazing it was that we were playing golf on this date on this extraordinary course together. The day continued to be an amazing day. We got back, met up with Skylar, who came with Charlie, and then eventually Nick. Everything was going great, and we had a fun night ahead of us. Nick's family was in town. We hung out with them, and they were gracious enough to pay for all our drinks and food. Thank you again, Mr. and Mrs. Rooney. We had met some other Americans in the bar we were at and celebrated the ball drop together. It was an amazing experience. Being in Mexico with the people who I care about so much, bringing in the new year, after a while, we decided to see what else was going on. Fifth Avenue was packed beyond anything I had ever seen before. You couldn't get into bars without reservations, but we found a spot. Zenzi Beach Bar, a place Nick and I had been before a few times. It's right on the beach with an ocean right in view. What's a better way to continue to ring in the new year? Well, we got extremely drunk and I don't remember everything, but apparently Nick and myself exchanged some words, so I left and went down to the beach where there were a ton of people and decided to continue the night. Brighter days, dim, the ending. When deciding to leave the beach that night, I went to grab my phone and realized it was missing. This turned my great night into a panic. How could I have lost my new phone? I saw another American and explained what happened, during which another American overheard and said he had lost his too. I'm guessing we got pickpocketed. I asked the first American if he was staying nearby, which he was, and if I could use his laptop to do find my iPhone, which he let me. The place this guy was staying was absolutely incredible, one of the nicest places I've been to in my life. We were in the bedroom, myself, the guy whose place it is, and the other American that lost his phone. I was having no luck using find my iPhone, and neither was the other American. When they steal a phone in Mexico, they know exactly what to do. While I was trying to find out information on my stolen phone, the Americans whose place it was decided it was a good time to try to seduce me. Now, this was not even close to the first time a man tried to hit on me during this trip. It was probably around the 10th. Usually I'm flattered by it and laugh it off, but I was not in the mood because obviously I had just lost my phone. Despite him asking me to stay multiple times, I walked home. I woke in the morning feeling down. Nick and I were arguing once again. I wasn't sure if I ruined his or my friend's nights. I had lost my phone and realized none of this was sustainable. I had a few days left at my place and was planning to go to Mexico City with Oscar on January 5th. But Mexico City had just put in strict lockdown conditions due to COVID. So that idea dwindled down the drain. And at this time, I was ready to get out of Playa after everything that had transpired over the past few weeks, months. It felt like it all caught up to me. I was not in a good state of mind, low on money, and not sure what direction to go. I stayed a few days to think what I was going to do, but all signs pointed to coming home. And that's what I decided to do. 
January 8th, I flew back to Minnesota. I made the trip last two months and a week, shorter than I wanted, but still, what a journey. Quick notes from me. In this blog, I highlighted more of the negatives I went through rather than highlight a lot of the positive ones, and I did that for a reason. This trip was the most amazing experience of my life. I miss Mexico while I type this and while I read this. I met some of the most incredible human beings that will be lifelong friends. I I had experiences that I will never forget. I wouldn't trade that trip for anything. Through all the bad, it was still two of the best months of my life. I write this during a cold winter day in Minnesota, missing the warmth and sun of Mexico, already planning my next adventure. I'm not sure where it will be, but I know it will happen sooner rather than later. This trip lasted just over two months, but I feel like I lived an entire year. This trip changed me, and I believe for the better. It matured me, woke me up, showed me what I need to do to live the travel lifestyle, taught me to travel on my own, meet people. It was amazing. I encourage every single one of you that made it this far to get out there and explore the world. Meet people, have crazy experiences. You will not regret it. Viva la Mexico. So, thank you to all those who had listened to that all the way through. It was honestly one hell of a trip, even just listening back to that again. Wow. So, let's start off with some of the biggest lessons that I learned during that two months. Uh, Number one, it is possible to figure out how to survive in any situation. And what I essentially mean by that is um, I was on my own quite a bit, had never been out of the country before, didn't speak the language at all, and I was able to thrive in a lot of situations, making new friends, meeting people, um, and just, you know, genuinely living life and enjoying it there. And... Like I said, I was kind of just thrusted into it, especially after Nick and I had our little falling out. I wasn't there with anyone from home, so it was just me. And, you know, I made quite a few friends. I have had a lot of fun experiences. And then also, too, that, you know, I was in some bad situations and I was able to survive through those, you know. I had many occurrences throughout the trip where, you know, you could just lose all hope, whether it be, I didn't even mention this in the blog, with like the third day we were there, my laptop broke, and then there was a pain in the ass getting a new laptop down, and then, you know, obviously the taxi thing, get my phone stolen then, and then get my phone stolen at a later date, and, you know, just a bunch of shit that happened, um, and still continuing on with through the journey, knowing that, hey, this is still something I want, even through all the bad. I'm still living, I'm surviving. So I've learned how to survive, essentially, on my own. And that, I feel, is one of the most important lessons I learned because I feel like it has prepared me for my next journey. It's given me the confidence to, you know, do stuff even here, like, talk to random people when I'm back in Prior Lake or, you know, it's given me the confidence now I'm already planning on a future move, whereas before I wouldn't want to do that, especially alone. So 
that's the number one lesson I learned is how to survive. Lesson two, actions have consequences. And now, obviously, this is a lesson that everyone should know by this time, this point in their life, this stage in their life. Um, And obviously, I do and had realized that, you know, through all my experiences, but it really showed up in this trip quite a bit, you know, from the falling out with Nick, not keeping my word, um, you know, going out late at night on certain nights, like if I didn't go out that one night and wasn't out so late, maybe I wouldn't have been in that taxi and that situation wouldn't have happened. Um, instead of going home on New Year's Eve earlier, going down to the beach to continue to party and losing my phone. So everything that you do that you give off into the world, you're gonna get that back. And so some of my actions did not align with what I wanted. And therefore I faced some consequences that, you know, I'm still dealing with right now. I missed the hell out of this podcast and through my actions, nobody's fault but my own. I'm not what I would call a part of it at the moment. And so the whole actions have consequences thing was a theme that popped up quite a bit, like I said, throughout the journey. So just keeping in mind, it's always good to live in the present, but it's also good to while you're living in the present to keep the future in mind because your present actions will lead to consequences in the future. So if your actions are positive, you'll have positive consequences. If it's negative, you know, you'll deal with that too on the way back. So that was lesson number two. And then lesson number three, and lesson number three is that you truly learn about who you are. I learned so much about myself. I learned what I need to do in order to live the type of lifestyle I want. I learned how I would respond in a chaotic situation. I got around a foreign land without a phone, therefore no maps, no translation by my side uh, for a few weeks. Um, So I just learned a lot. I learned to adapt in new situations in order to survive or in order to keep living. And that kind of goes with what I said in lesson number one, but you just completely figure out, I'm not gonna say completely, but you learn a lot about who you are because you know you have no eyes on you. You're by yourself in a foreign land, can kind of do what you want. And so, you kind of learn then your true nature who you are and i learned during this time that i'm not disciplined enough yet to keep this lifestyle going or this nomad travel lifestyle going because obviously i had to come back here but i learned what i need to do and so what i'm doing now is i'm taking steps and learning new skills here to ensure that i'm able to make the next trip last or maybe not even make it a trip make it a permanent lifestyle um so yeah you learn a lot about yourself you learn a lot about what you want in life and that was something that i wasn't sure about still not entirely sure what i want but i have a better idea of what i want my life 
to be compared to before I went because this whole experience was something brand new. I'd never, first time ever being in a different culture, first time being out of the United States. So I don't think you can know a lot about yourself if you've just kind of, kind of lived in a box. You gotta get out there. And once you do, you'll learn more about yourself than you did. You'll learn more about yourself in a two month span than you would in a few years if you just stayed in the same spot. So those are the three biggest lessons that I learned throughout the journey. Um, Tips for people that are wanting to travel. Number one, create a sustainable living situation. So get on a routine, stay organized, find structure in your day. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of free time. And, you know, when you have free time in a place like that, you know, one thing leads to another and you're going to... A day party at the beach or something so your priorities get um, misaligned you know when we got there the first few days I was on a schedule with Nick waking up at 5 a.m. and I didn't keep with that I know Nick did and he's still out there you know traveling around and I'm back home so find structure create a daily structure um, just that way you know you're either making money or you're working on something towards something you're have something to bring you back if you know what i mean i don't try to explain this but it's something to recenter you have a focus on something which is good in a foreign land like that otherwise like i said you get sidetracked so and staying organized and just on top of all your shit number two would it be embrace your fears and attack them head on I remember when we first got there, uh, as you all know, Nick has, just loves talking to everybody and approaching random people. And that was something that I had not really done before. And so obviously, you know, the first few times you do it, it's a little intimidating just approaching a random stranger, whether it be male or female, whether you have desires to just be friends or take them out on a date, it doesn't matter, or just approaching anybody. Um, there's always that little fear hesitation and so I'm just using this as an example about embracing your fears but as I was saying I was watching Nick do this and he kept encouraging me to you know just start talking to people and eventually I did and that was the best thing for me to do I went from being not scared but having being in a fear-based mentality when approaching people to approaching people and having more of an abundance approach to it um not taking anything personal if they didn't want to continue the interaction or you know so that's just one example of embracing your fears but the whole whole trip was essentially embracing my fears one i don't like planes two i've never been out of the country three i didn't want to be alone out of the country didn't want to travel alone and all three of the things happened and it was the best thing i mean i truly do regret what had transpired with me and nick and forcing me creating a situation where us two weren't you know aligning and on the same wavelength though we separated but that happening i feel like happened for a reason because it put me completely out of my comfort zone i didn't have nick to rely on to approach people to make new friends i had to make the friends on my own otherwise i'd be sitting inside all day um so really just embracing your fears 
because on the other side of them is freedom. You know, once you get over your fears, it's that that's holding you back. That's holding you back in your mind. So essentially, it is when you embrace them, you get over them, your mind is free. And then tip number three is at the end of the day, it's up to you. If you want to do it, do it. There is no regret, only lessons learned. So what I mean by that is, as you heard throughout the blog, you know, I had some shit go wrong, some shit I regret, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't change the trip because I learned a ton and it helped me grow up a lot and it helped me a lot. And it's up to you. If you want this to make something like this happen, you will make it happen. Like Joey Handel said, just book the ticket. I mean, that's the, that's the best way I can say it is just do it. I mean, there's no other, I, it's an experience and something that it can't really explain until you do it. And I just get out there, face your fears. And there's so much to this world out there. Um, so much that I want to see now. I mean, this trip was just, I feel like a little teaser to what I want my life to be because it was so much fun just being in chaos essentially every day. I mean, some of the chaos wasn't fun as I'm sure you could uh, tell, but it's just that you're living in the present completely when you're there and it's it's an incredible, incredible experience. I remember I forgot about social media, forgot about the NFL, forgot about everything. I was just living. It was truly, truly special. So I recommend for everybody just to just do it. Just do it. And then three mistakes not to do. <laughs> Number one, don't talk to drug dealers even if you have no intentions of doing drugs. <laughs> That's what kind of got me into my little bind. Um, Still, I take complete full responsibility. It was my actions. I was the one that decided to do the little bump, so it was on me. But I never would have been in that situation if I wasn't talking to them. You know, I was just talking to everybody, and during that interaction, one thing led to another, and with my guard down, you know what I did. So, and also that when I when we got there. Um, there's always vendors trying to get you into their stores and whatnot. And I was always just so responsive and always talking to him. And Nick was like, dude, you can ignore them. They're not, you're not going to hurt their feelings. And so that's what I would say is, uh, you know, don't, don't talk to every seller. They're good at their jobs. They know what they're doing. And some of them will try to take advantage of you. Um, but yeah, don't try to talk to the drug dealers. That's mistake number one. Uh, number two, interact with people, but do so uh, without being so trusting and being aware of your environment. Um, as I kind of just explained, I was super trusting with everyone there. Um, and, you know, I came back to backfiring a few times. And, like when I got robbed by the taxi, I remember telling people about it and they're like, well, did you get the taxi uh, number? Because each taxi has a number on the side of its door. I was like, no, I didn't even think of that. So that's what I mean about being aware of your environment, being aware of your surroundings, because you know what? You are in a different place that you don't know. So don't be getting super drunk and, you know, wandering, because then you're not aware. 
and you're a target. It's that simple. I mean, they see an American there, and assuming you got some more money and whatnot and all that, so you do kind of become a little bit of a target. Um, so just really be aware of your surroundings and um, who you're interacting with and what sort of interaction you're having. And then mistake number three, I kind of mentioned this earlier and the tips and lessons learned, but have structure to each and every day. That's something I did not do or have each and every day. And so that's why, you know, I'm back here. I wasn't able to make it last as long as I wanted because I didn't stick with that structure. So those would be the mistakes, tips, lessons learned. If you have any questions or anything like that, I'd be more than happy to talk with you and answer them for you. And once again, thanks for listening to all of this if you got this far in. And I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day. Hollywood.